Today we're pleased to welcome Jim Bradburn to Valley Views. Jim is a retired architect who came to the Valley in 2004. Upon retiring, he was able to pursue his more than several hobbies, including astronomy. He's currently the president of Dark Skies and has been instrumental in leading the Dark Sky team and the Wet Mountain Valley community to the IDA Dark Sky designation. Today we'll focus on both that organization and that designation. Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you, Gary. Let me just say one thing. Yes. I actually came to this valley in 1979 to climb the Crestone Peaks, which I was able to do, and then stayed around until 1996 when I bought property and then finally built the house and moved here, as you said, in 2004. So you've been associated with the valley for a long time. Long time. And I've been to your house, and your uh, bedroom window looks out on the Crestone Group, as I recall. It looks directly, so all I have to do is roll my head just slightly to the right, and I can look directly <laughs> at the needle, just and, to remind me. And as an architect, that probably was not a coincidence. I'm just guessing. So. Perhaps. So tell me what, what you see when you look up on a clear, dark night uh, in this valley, and how does that make you feel? Well, I get to see something, as, as everybody else who's a resident of this valley, that most, if not all, the people in the rest of the world don't get to see. And that's the stars and the Milky Way, like you just, you can't see anyplace else. And that, to me, is worth preserving. And that's the purpose of Dark Skies, is to help preserve that beautiful nightscape, as we call it. Now, I know you've had a chance to uh, visit with folks in the valley Perhaps their experience in this whole thing for the first time. Have you have you had any of those experiences? I, as you as you mentioned, there's a lot of folks out there who never have had this experience. Well, since we became designated, and I know you're going to talk a lot about that a little bit later, as an international dark sky designated community, uh, many people have come here on that information and are just blown away, quite frankly. That's their words when they look out at the sky at night, sitting out on the bluff, just observing the stars, coming down to the observatory, whatever it is. They just, they just can't believe that all that exists above them, and they never see it when they're in, a, in an urban environment. It's amazing when you look out south, especially where the stars right on the horizon seem as bright as those way high in the sky, which is not something many people are used to. Yeah, a test of a good clear sky is whether or not the Milky Way makes it from horizon to horizon. Ours has a little bit of uh, erosion, if you will, due to the prison system down in Wet Wetmore. So on our northeastern corner, we get a little bit of loss, but otherwise we are one of the darkest sites. Well, well, we are one of the darkest sites in Colorado. So can you remember back when you looked through a telescope for the first <laughs> time? I can. I... Uh, Grew up in Southern California um, before there were smog alerts. And my father gave me, when I was 10 years old, a little two-inch telescope. And we used to go out to the desert to uh, 29 Palms, where at that time in the 50s, there was nobody there. And I remember waking my dad up in the middle at about 2 o'clock in the morning to take a look at Saturn. He expressed a great uh, deal of satisfaction at that and then went back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun. So... You've been interested in astronomy for many years, and uh, you personally have a telescope that would make many a university <laughs> drool. Uh, I've, I've been out there when you've zeroed in on the, the Horsehead Nebula, which, right. as I recall, is in uh, perhaps Orion's belt. Good, good thinking. And, good uh, 
it's I'm, I'm reading off the page here. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> no, but but we, you're correct. We, we have we have we have done that. Uh, yep. The distances out there boggle the mind. Uh, when you get out, when you set up your telescope, you've got hundreds of things you could look at. How do you decide what to zero in on tonight? Um, that's a good question because uh, there are so many <laughs> things to see. My telescope can go back, and I say that in that sense because it's, you're going back in time when you see something that's that far away. About 40 to 60 million light years back, actually probably further, if I, it, but it's just the image isn't that great. But um, So I like to look at galaxies. That just happens to be a favorite of mine. But all the things like the horse head and things like that are relatively close. They're within our galaxy, the Milky mm-hmm. Way. Uh, the other galaxies are all two and a half to, as I said, 40 or 50 million light years away. Then that's just, to me, they're just, as works of art, they're just gorgeous to see. And uh, to try and take color photographs of them or just to get them in focus is always a challenge, but gives me something to do and keeps me busy at night. So tell our listeners what a little bit about your telescope, the, the, the size, the type. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate in that, one, I live in Westcliff. Two, we have dark skies, and three, I was able to afford. Really, you didn't, wasn't able really to afford it, but you just buy those things because you got to have them. <laughs> I like toys for men. Um, but I have a 17-inch, what is known, built by a company called Plane Wave. It's a, a modified Schmidt Cassegrain, which two guys, Schmidt and Cassegrain, came up with the same idea for optics, where it's basically a big mirror that brings in the light and then bounces it back down and it goes into a camera, basically. So it collects light on its 17-inch, that's what its size is, 17-inch diameter mirror and puts it all concentrated into a camera that then converts that to digital signal that sends it to my computer in my heated room next door to the telescope. I had to do that because I'm old and heated is a much better way of observing things than and winter <laughs> Look, is the best time to view. Winter is one of the best times to view. So I get to see the best of both by being inside the uh, that part of the observatory, which I built, that has a room which is warm. Telescope has to stay out where it's cold. I, I mean, it doesn't like uh, moving air. It doesn't like uh, fluctuations due to heat. So it wants to be out there where it's cold. And the camera works best when it's as cold as it can be. Actually, the camera can cool itself down to, I've seen it get down to 50 degrees below zero Celsius. So it's, it can get mighty cold, and that just reduces noise. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great setup. It's you a have. lot of fun. So let me ask you a bit about the, the flurry here with the dark, dark sky mm-hmm. uh, designation. Uh, the Wet Mountain Valley has been on the national news of late. Uh, you've got a thing coming up on NBC with uh, Harry Smith, uh, CNN, uh, New York Times, to name a few, have had articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Skies, the group, is uh, on a roll. Congratulations on that. It's been huge for the Valley. What do you think will be the uh, outcome of all this attention, ultimately? Well, ultimately, what I hope it does is bring people to West Cliff who like to come and see the sky, stay overnight, buy a breakfast in the morning, have dinner in the night before, and then go home. Um, and that, uh, to me, is the type of place that uh, will allow that. We are the type of place that will allow that. And um, that's good for our economy. It's good for the people here. Ultimately, some of those people will want to do the same thing I did. They want to move here. They'll build a house that's good for the economy in that sense. And then we have a few more people. But it's not something that's going to get overrun by having a Walmart, you know, come in and lay down its roots in our town. It's just not going to happen. So it's a good little industry that, to me, is clean and, and comfortable. 
and it puts us on the map. And there are a lot of communities throughout the country that don't have skies nearly as clear as we do that have already capitalized on this on this whole idea that you want to see the sky and be able to see the Milky Way. So we're seeing the first parts of that. I can tell you that the innkeepers here are all very happy, and they tell me repeatedly how they promote their businesses by telling people that they can come and see the skies because we are an international dark sky community. So as I step out of my house, I can see just with the naked eye great things, but uh, you've got something going on that other communities probably don't, and that's an observatory right. that sits down. Uh, it's uh, I wouldn't call it brand new, but it's uh, it's, it's, it's less than, it's, it's about a year and a half. I, it's, I it's, guess it is. It's definitely new and sits down uh, just over the edge of the bluff. Right. Uh, that's uh, named for Smokey Jack, who was uh, early. Uh, she was the she was the first. He was the originator of Dark Skies, our local group, and. She promoted the idea of preservation of the sky, uh, and I think it's um, it's a real credit. I never met the lady because uh, she was gone, unfortunately, before I moved here. And uh, but nonetheless, her legacy is now um, memorialized in the naming of the observatory that we got built down in the bluff at the bluff. And anyone can use the observatory. The observatory is open to the public. Obviously, we can't have everybody there at the same time. It's pretty good size. It's 12 by 12, and the, the telescope is a 14-inch mid-cash grain like mine and a really good mount and has a camera that puts an image up onto a television screen so many people can see it. You don't have to worry about that you can't see through a, an eyepiece or something like that, or we can put the eyepiece on, so it doesn't matter how it's, how it's done. But the process is pretty simple. You get on the website for dark skies and you you'll see a place to go to ask want to name a name or a, a name a date that you would like to come and uh we'll work that out with you we've got a guy who's in charge of that clint smith and he takes care of getting you there and then we have star guides who've been trained to help you look at the sky get everything set up you don't have to do anything other than get there obviously in the winter bring lots of good clothes in the summer stay up late because it doesn't even get dark till it's nine thirty. Can I say a little more about the observatory, yeah, if that's all right? Because this was a real community thing. I mean, when we became internationally dark sky recognized as the two towns, um, it was Dick Sturmer and myself were sitting at a lunch, and I can't remember if it was Dick's idea or my idea, probably Dick's, because he's like that, said, we ought to have an observatory in this town. And I said, yeah, we should. Or I said that, and Dick said, you know, whatever. But Dick was gracious enough uh, to donate that land. Um, and then that was all turned over to the San Isabel Land Protection Trust as the bluff, as everybody knows that process. But nonetheless, the, Internet, the uh, San, San Isabel Land Protection Trust then allowed us to have that. And then the town of Westcliff took it over for insurance purposes. But the whole building of that was all done by local businesses, Ace Hardware and Frank Oberlin's um, metal shop. And then um, out here, uh, the Beach Ready Mix did, provided all the concrete. And then a group of volunteers built the whole thing. Uh, so it was all built without any funds, uh, completely paid for. All the grading, all the, all the side, every, everything was paid for. And um, so the town essentially got about 17 to 25, depending upon how I want to say it, thousands of dollars worth of, of equipment and, a, and an observatory for nothing from the community. Mm -hmm. Told me 
that this whole idea of Dark Skies was really a community effort, not just a few of us at, at Dark Skies. I remember when all of that was going on, and what you say is true. A lot of community members stepped forward, just Huge. just like a lot of, like they lot do of other things. Always. So. It's just, that's what a wonderful thing about Westcliff, Silvercliff, is that there's always somebody who has a good idea, and there's about 10 other people who say, well, I'll, I'll help you with that. So let me ask you a bit about the Dark Skies group. What are your primary objectives as a group? We are primarily preservation and advocacy for keeping the skies dark. And and that's actually a fairly simple process. It's, it's, it's not turning people's lights off at all, nothing like that. It's actually just shielding the lights from going up into the sky and from going down the street into your neighbor's window at night. Uh, the first thing is just a good thing to do because if you if you fly at night and you look down and you see all those towns and everything across the country all lit up, if you realize that every single photon that you see coming up off the ground like that is absolutely wasted energy. It's going nowhere. It's just going up in the sky. And that accounts for billions of dollars of wasted energy. So if you can cover your light and focus the light back down on the ground where it's useful, where you want it, um, it's a it's a big energy savings, first of all. But that's what we do is we try and keep it out of the sky so we can see the sky just as we did when we were kids and as we can in this town today. I know you've been quite successful at that, but uh, independent people, not a bad description for folks in uh, I love this valley, uh, in general, don't like to be told what they should do. I can imagine that you ran into some uh, resistance with your lighting options, at least early on. Well, I think that was mostly Dark Skies' problem, quite frankly. I mean, I remember joining the club, I think it was 2006 or seven, somewhere in there, and uh, realized that we were telling people, we're going to turn your lights off. That's actually a quote. And that wasn't going to go anywhere. And because they are independent. And who wants to be told what to do? None of us do. And so we had to sort of change the whole philosophy of the club from one of being the policeman of the valley for lights to one of, like I said, advocates for dark skies, where education became a big part of it. And that process took of turning the ship around, if you will, took, you know, 10 years about mm -hmm. before we got to a point where I could go into the town council and advocate for changing the light ordinances so that we could become an international dark sky site and actually be heard <laughs> by the people there rather than getting tossed out. And, and was there a tipping point for that or was it just sort of a gradual process? I think it was more a tipping point. It was, I, quite frankly, I was a little bit surprised that there, that I didn't meet as much resistance by the time I got to publicly speaking about what we wanted to do. I began to realize that there were people in the town that uh, realized that this was an economic, I, of course, had argued in the paper and whatnot that that dark skies is an economic asset. And I think the argument that, you know, we, we come here and we look at the mountains and the landscape all around us and it's sort of gorgeous and we love it and we like to preserve that. Nobody wants to put roads all over the Sangre de Cristos or destroy the valley with, you know, because there's San Isabel Land Protection Trust trying to save it. Those are all the things that are part of our preservation, it's part of our history of this valley. Well, the same thing can be said in my argument when the night comes by just turning it over and looking up. And that, that nightscape, if you will, is just, in my view, as important as the landscape and is just as economic a driver as the landscape is in terms of tourism, people coming and wanting to hike and fish in the mountains. But looking at the sky can bring the same numbers of people, and it doesn't cost anything. You know, it's, it's there. As long as we have 
as long as we preserve it. So how does uh, this valley compare with the other dark skies or dark sky communities? Well, there are, I uh, hope I don't say this incorrectly, I think there are now 11 other dark sky communities throughout the world. At the time that we were designated two years ago, approximately, we were the first in Colorado, seventh in the country, and ninth in the world. And I think there's been added a few more since that time. Uh, but by comparison, we're the highest, without doubt. And it, that has consequences because the higher you are, the clearer the sky is, and it's easier to see things. And two, we're the only one in Colorado. And just recently, the state of Colorado finally realized that having dark skies and having West Cliff, Silver Cliff as designated dark sky community by International Dark Sky and the fact that we have a telescope observatory for the public, um, they finally wised up to the fact that, whoa, that's a really good asset that we need to be promoting for the state of Colorado. Um, so I'm hoping that that will lead to further folks coming from far away not just to come see Estes Park, but to come see Westcliff and its dark skies. So I'm just uh, remembering the first time I visited the Davis Mountains out in far west Texas where McDonald Observatory is in the 70s, and it was amazingly dark to me. That was probably the first time I'd really seen dark skies. But I was back there a few years ago, and it was not nearly as dark as here because of uh, quite a bit of development around there. Right. We're, we're darker. We're one of the darkest sites in the country, I can tell you that. As part of the uh, application, we had to actually measure, and we still measure about once or twice a year, I think, I forget, uh, the amount of skylight. And these measurements are very sensitive. If, if Jupiter is up or if the Milky Way is up, we're not nearly as dark as when they're down. So that's the kind of... That's the kind of sensitivity, if you will, that these uh, instruments have. But we'll, we outperform pretty much everything else in the state of Colorado, including Estes Park by a long shot. So we have a real asset here, and it's you know a lot of it has to do with the ge geology. You've got two mountain ranges on either side of you. A lot of it has to do with the lack of development of big lights. But a lot of it has to do with the citizens of these two communities who have covered their streetlights and who have put in ordinances that no further development shall have polluting lights, if you will. So that's, that's a big credit to the towns. So, Jim, what do you see for the future in terms of dark skies in this community? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is to make the Wet Valley a dark sky place, which is another international dark sky designation. And to give you just reference to what that is, the Grand Canyon was just named a dark sky place. And so it's a pretty high risk. Uh, designation that I think that we can achieve by simply covering some of the lights that are out in the valley and getting the town, uh, getting the county to change its light ordinance to allow that. But I think what it does is not only does the two towns become, are already designated, but now the whole valley is designated. And that really puts us as a community on the map far more than we are actually right now. And that to me is the brand for the Wet Mountain Valley and for the two towns. We're running out of time, and I've got a lot more questions, but uh, if someone wanted to get involved with Dark Skies, how would they go about that? They can call me at home or get on the internet, on our website, which is Wet Mountain Dark Skies. It's, so it's W-E-T-M-T-N, darkskies.org, and you can find all about us. You can get that through CART, and you can get that through just pulling up the town of Westcliff. So, um, but there's a lot of ways to get to us and find out about us. We meet uh, once a month. 
go through lots of programs. All of our programs are funded by donations through the community fund. We are a complete 501c3, and all we do is help people cover their lights, help people understand what's important about the dark skies at night, run the observatory, and educate through schools, through the, we have a program with the kids where they uh, they paint the fifth grade art teachers they paint the picture of the what they think are what it looks like a dark sky and it's pretty it's pretty neat well great jim thanks for coming by today and uh don't be a stranger come by uh, <laughs> come come by again to the radio station uh when you're in the neighborhood well it's a wonderful thing that you have a radio station in our own town i mean i think that's just terrific so Thank you for doing what you do. Great. We've been speaking with Jim Bradburn, the president of Dark Skies, right here in the Wet Mountain Valley. We'll see you next time on Valley Views.